This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 574, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 574. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm with my co-host, Ron Richards. Hello. And once again, Josh Flanagan is missing. Yes, indeed he is. <laughs> and uh, if we were good people, we would be out there with the crews looking for him, beating the bushes and the grid patterns. I felt, yeah, I felt really bad when the line of like 50 people were in the woods with the flashlights yes. uh, doing the slow, like the walk through the woods to try to find Josh. And I was like, oh, I got to go. Can you guys got this? <laughs> Thanks. I got to talk about comics. Yeah. Listen, somebody's got to talk about the comics while Josh is gone. Plus, Riverdale was on. Yeah, listen. Uh, plus, do we really want to find him? That's the other question. <laughs> <laughs> of course we do. So while Josh is gone, we're going to talk about comics, which we do every week. We read our stack of comics. One of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books that came out, the patron pick. If we have some time, listener mail, fun stuff, patron powers. Everybody has a good time. And here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be spoilers. So there you go. There's your warning. Ron this week had to pick. Yeah, so uh, this was a, a curious week uh, because there wasn't a lot. I mean, there, there was a couple of books that were interesting, but there wasn't a lot of books that I was like, oh, man, I can't wait for this one. You know, like this is, you know, like th- that were hot on my yeah. radar. Um, well, and, and so a couple. Well, yeah, for me, at least. Yeah, there were a couple, but we'll, we'll get we'll hit we'll hit on them. But there was no real big like home run swing book, uh, at least in my on my stack. Um, and so when that happens, I, you know, I try to take a little extra time and, and do a little browsing, do a little, you know, kind of see what's, uh, see what else is out there, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. and I saw a lot of people online talking about the dregs number two from black mass studios. And, you know, I know that we, you know, we've, we've enjoyed a lot of the work that Matt Rosenberg has done at black, at black mass studios. At least I have at least. Um, and I've read a couple things here and there. Um, some of them have been, you know, like some not quite ready for prime time quality level. Right. Um, and so it's kind of hit or miss, but I'm like, you know, I'll give it a shot. The cover looked interesting. Cover was kind of, you know, Tim sale esque, you know, in terms of art style or remind me actually of, uh, the, those queen of country reprint covers that they did that were like kind of one color tone type thing. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, all right, I'll you know, and the cover's got the a guy hanging from a meat hook tied to it, and it's got, got an interesting design. So I'm like, all right, I'll read this. And so this is the second issue of the series, the Dregs number two, and uh, I did not read the first issue, and I got mm-hmm. about I got about six or seven, eight pages into this, and I was just like, holy shit, what is going on here? And so, <laughs> so I finished the issue, and then I immediately had to go back and read the first issue, and I was like, I can't believe they're doing this. And like, <laughs> well, when you made this the pick, first of all, I was very surprised. I thought another book would be the pick. We'll talk about that book in a second. But yep. um, so, so I had to, I didn't have to, but I, you, you told me to read these, so I read them, and I'm glad I hadn't had breakfast. <laughs> Uh, before reading the first issue, yeah, <laughs> the morning, and I was just like, "This 
might be a little much even for me. But, I mean, this but, is a, and I and I get and the thing is, I get Black Mass. You know, Black Mass Studios. For those who don't know, is is uh, kind of financed or or connected to uh, Brett Gerwitz, who runs Epitaph Records, who's the guitarist in Bad Religion, off and on, one of the founding members of Bad Religion. And so, a lot of their titles tend to be a little more subversive in to- yeah. topic. Um, you know, which I which is great. They're also doing uh, that book Black that we talked about the first issue a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, you know, so it's so also the, Steve Niles who did you know. Kind of yeah, Steve Niles is one of the co-publishers. Stuff. Yeah, long, yeah. So it's Brett Gerwitz, Steve Niles, and uh, Matt Pizziolo. Um and you know, and the 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 books tend to be a bit more subversive, be a little more political, be a little edgier. You know, um, mm. and this book definitely falls on the edgier side of the two things. And just to give you the quick kind of elevator pitch, as far as I could tell, um, there there is a a restaurant uh, that is killing people, chopping them up, and putting them in the food. And and well, in order to yeah. do in order to do that they are uh, they are lacing drugs with um, uh, to make to make them super potent and make basically homeless drug addicted people overdose and then that is the fuel for the food. And I don't know how much that is the driver of the story. I mean, no, that, that is not the driver of the opens. story. That's the setting. Right? Yeah, that's the scene that opens. So it takes place in Vancouver in the future. In it's and this is part I was a little bit confused about. It seems like. All of the homeless in the city have been pushed into this one five-block neighborhood. Right. I, I, at first, I thought it was like cordoned off, and they just live there. But it's apparently just people live and work there. But also, the homeless are just in a small area. Yeah, it, remi- it reminds me of that like four or five block. Ironically, while during Emerald City Comic Con is going on this weekend, it reminds me of that four or, flo- four or five blocks uh, in downtown Seattle, like right. right, right, like way downtown, past the main like commercial district before you get to the stadiums. There's like a it's dense like Skid Row in L.A. Or yeah, just, exactly. This is, yeah. This is a I guess it, it seems to be from the opening that all the homeless are living in this area in Vancouver. Anyway, yeah. uh, somebody's preying on the homeless. They're disappearing. It seems they may be ending up in the food at this restaurant. But also there's, there is a some sort of real estate crime happening. Yep. There's a lot going on, and it's all being seen through the eyes of a homeless man who calls himself Philip Marlowe, who is big into um, detective books. Philip Marlowe, of course, is the character played by Humphrey Bogart in The Big Sleep, Yep, uh, Raymond Chandler. Um, so who knows if that's even his real name? Probably not. But he's investigating. His, he's looking for his missing friend, his friend who was the one who was turned into the sausages at the beginning of the first issue. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, it's, it's – uh, Yeah, so, and so what, what happens is in the beginning of the first issue, his, his friend does turn get turned into sausages. He, ta- he ta- you know, gets his fix of drugs and proceeds to have an overdose but survives. Right. And he wakes up, and that's where this issue picks up, where he wakes up hanging on the hook – about to be processed by whomever behind this restaurant called La Mancha, and uh, and he's able to get away. He's able to fight him off and run away and and get out. And then now he's got this kind of the choice of you know he's got a he, he's something something's not something's not right in his community, and he's going to find out why. And we start to see him, and it happened a little bit in the first issue, but it happened a lot in this issue. Where in his head he is a noir detective. Yeah. Right. So at least there was a one segment where he, he meets this woman for the second time. He met her in the first issue and she, she helps him when he's, he, he'd gotten, he escapes and she, and yeah. as she's fixing him up, he sees them both as characters, yeah. uh, from, a from a detective novel. So, um, it's, it was, I liked it. <clears throat> yeah. Me. It, uh, it's definitely, um, it's non-traditional I don't, in, in that there's a, there's a lot happening here. 
and you're not quite sure what's going on a little bit. Right. But um, I mean, what, what really, what, what really kind of struck me about this was a first, just the ridiculous, not ridiculous, but the, 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 the shocking premise, right. And kind of yeah. what was going on. And then the, the phase of the story and really, you know, this is, this is, you know, the, the main character is a homeless drug addict, right. And he yeah. lives in a neighborhood called the dregs and he's not somebody that you, you, you're somebody that, you know, I know here in New York city, I walk you know, and when I live in San Francisco, you walk right by them. You know, right. and the idea of there there more going on in this world and this this community and this culture that exists on the streets around us, and there are shelters and there are different places he can go and people know each other on the street. Uh, you got a great scene of him. Um, you know, when he decides he's got to figure out what's going on, he goes and confronts the drug dealer. And yeah. I thought that was a really great scene. And then um, he gets knocked on his ass, unfortunately. And then he you know kind of goes, but he get, he does get a clue as to who to find somebody, and. You know, and, and it's basically being a detective, but at the same time, in the back of your head, is like, geez, he's walking with with newspapers tied around his feet. You know, like he's right. not, you know, like he's not the 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 the, the best uh, the best candidate for a hero here. And there's actually a great uh, double page spread of uh, kind of a you know kind of a, almost a Bendis oming esque spiral where yeah. it's just him hitting the streets uh, trying to find out what's going on uh, and also taking drugs while doing it but then on the other on the outskirts of the spiral you've got the imagery of him pushing a rock up over the curve and and there's a reference earlier in the book to you know to uh, Sisyphus and uh, you know they, there's a quote from Camus's the myth of Sisyphus and the idea of you know of you know trying you know you know, man trying to do something that is just that is on that is you know that is just, it, it's a it's a fool's errand almost. You're gonna keep you're gonna keep pushing that rock up the hill. You're never gonna get it over. And this idea of this circle and him pushing a rock around the circle shows that he's kind of caught in the spiral of his life. But you get the sense that he wants to do something right by his friend and by the community that he lives in. And I just find that really compelling. Well, it's definitely unlike anything else. I mean, it's a detective story, but it's also sort of a sociological piece because it. Yep. It takes you through all the elements of life as a homeless person in the city. You know, there's the uh, the shelter and why the shelter may not be a great place to be. There's the um, the, the government run clinic where they get clean drugs. Right. Or needles. I don't know if they get the drugs or that they get well, the, the, at least the needles and everything. So. It's like there's. I get it. Looks like there's stuff in the needle. Anyway, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, so. um, I don't know. And then the drug dealers and then the communities where they all know each other and look after each other and and. And he he goes to two, one of the places, one of the flop houses, and a woman says she saw a guy, and she makes she she drew a picture of him, so he gets a picture, and it's a stick drawing. But and he takes that around town, showing it to people. But it turns out that actually leads leads him to the guy he's looking for. It, it, there's there's Good a lot. Visual, a lot of there's a lot there's a lot going on on the page. There's yeah. a lot of visual cues. There's a lot of interesting layouts. There's a lot of you know like the, that that stick figure. You know he realizes it's a guy eating an ice cream cone. It leads him to a guy who eats ice cream. And there's a yeah. you know there's a great what is this twelve panel grid on that page of that conversation. Yeah. You know and then this issue ends with him you know chasing down what's going on and he realizes he needs to leave the 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 the, the, the dodgy area of the neighborhood and go back to the city and and. And says, you know, this is where I used to live before it started going to shit, and it's been a long time. And you get, you see the big skyline. It all takes place in Vancouver, by the way, too. Yeah. So important to note that as well. Um, I just thought, yeah, just it's operating on multiple levels, and I was just really impressed. And it was, you know, I uh, the, the the writers of this is Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler, and the art was by Eric Zadwiski. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Uh, Zadwiski, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to get to it quickly, but Zadaski, Zadaski, maybe. Wow, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That, that was that that would 
there's a lot of letters here missing. Yeah, so I just, yeah. So, uh, um, but I, I like I did like the art Zawadzki. style. Zawadzki. There we go. That sounds good. That's what I'm gonna go with. All right, let's do it. Um, I th- I thought the art style was you know more on that indie kind of you know up and comer kind of level of art. It's good. Though. I like the but, art a lot. Yeah, so did I. It, it's just I'm I'm trying to find another artist to compare it to. It's almost got a little toned down Bacello vibe to it. If you look at the faces and the 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 figures, not so much in the layouts and in the craziness that Bacello gives, but if you look at the way Bacello draws faces with those big noses and kind yeah. of you know kind of wide faces and things like that, um, it gives me a little bit of that vibe. But it's it's good. So uh, yeah, so the Dregs second issue, so you can go back and get the first issues from Black Mask if you're interested in things that are like like Connor mentioned, sociological social issues, but also it's got a little bit of Chandler and Noir, and it's got a little bit of you know um, edge to. It with drugs. Yeah, it's and just, it's, it's definitely the noir detective story set in the homeless world. So yeah, it, yeah. you know, it's interesting. I'm gonna say a little bit of Richard Corbin in here. Oh, I could see a little bit of Richard Corbin. Just a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. Okay. Um, it's good though. Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh, let's check it out. As long as they don't start cutting more people up in the sausages, I'll be all right. Oh yeah, geez, a lot, a lot of issue things. So, um, yeah. So the drugs number two from Black Mass Studios. Good job, guys. I'll be, I'm gonna stick with the series. I'm, it definitely came out of nowhere for me this week, and I love it when that kind of happens. So, you know, you're kind of up against the wall. I want, I want something new, and this is, uh, this is good to, good to see it out there. Well, I was um, really surprised considering the subject matter of the Flintstones number nine that it didn't get yet another pick of the week honor because. Uh, you love those appliances, and they were given center stage here. I'm not gonna lie, I thought about it, Connor. I, 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 I read it, assuming I was like, "This is gonna be the pick." I mean, I almost, I almost texted you saying, "I know what your pick's gonna be," and I'm glad. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you didn't. Yeah, and I thought about it. And the thing is, is that like no, nothing against the Flintstones. I mean, the Flintstones is hands down the best comic book on the stands right now. Um, and Lord knows, I love that pink elephant vacuum, not pink, <laughs> purple elephant. That's a vacuum. And his relationship with uh, with the armadillo bowling ball, which okay. uh, which just for a moment, I, again, if we were doing panels of the week, uh, these two panels would definitely make it. Where uh, it's nighttime and the Flintstones are asleep. This is the issue. Starts off uh, with it's you know it's nighttime, everybody's asleep, and the appliances wake up and they start partying. And uh, the the vacuum elephant sits next to the bowling ball armadillo and says, "Would you like to hear a joke, bowling ball?" <laughs> and the armadillo says, "Sure." And the elephant says, "Yeah, so would I. Someday it'll happen." It's just like a little bit of sadness. And I, like, I'll be honest with you. I put the book down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I put it down for a second and just looked off into the distance. It, yeah. That 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 sequence, that two panel sequence, really got me. It, yeah, it really got me too. It's just like and 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 that's almost why I didn't make this pick of the week is because so the the premise of this issue, uh, which is great, which is you know the kind of do, two stories that are going on. Um, the main, the, well, the 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 B plot is actually what drives the A plot, which is interesting. But the B plot is that Fred is laid off from his job and replaced by uh cavemen or you know like well he was laid you know. off the, the, the tree people they've been fighting but yeah. he he was laid off because the, the 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 religion of gerald yep decided it wasn't tough enough it wasn't for alpha males so they've got their own religion vorp which is very sort of uh you know it's this is all a bit of political allegory this is very yep. sort of the uh of uh, you shouldn't look out only for yourself, and right. and uh, you, you should be happy. You should you should maximize your wealth while minimizing everyone else's. So he the bedrock lays off everybody, but and replaces them with cheap 
uh, tree labor, tree jungle, jungle people labor. Yep. And so Fred loses his job, and to cheer him up, Wilma gets him a new bowling ball. Exactly. And so and so then he th- and because of that, they throw out the old bowling ball, which freaks the purple elephant vacuum cleaner the fuck out. And so he leads all the appliances to go on a nighttime mission to go save bowling ball. And uh, so then, meanwhile, you get the two storylines kind of uh, running in parallel as Fred eventually gets his his job back and they recover bowling ball and get rid of the new bowling ball, who's not much fun to be around. And, well, you um, know what? Yeah, this is actually similar to the dregs because they find out that the appliances that are sold to this uh, company where the bowling ball is taken are turned into re- uh, recycled meat. And there's yep. a big scene where they open up and they walk into the meat room and they all freak out. Yeah, and uh, so did I. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah it's kind of disturbing. Um, but yeah, the Flintstones is just great. I just, I just don't know if I could have picked it again. And also, to be honest, I love the purple elephant, and but I thought there was maybe too much in this issue. Interesting. Like it's almost, it's almost better at small doses, like that one page and just those two panels, and to make them the the focus of an entire storyline is edgy, and I like it. But to be, to be honestly critical, I think it works in smaller doses. Interesting. Well, I, I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed dumb Dino. Yeah. Well, we haven't seen Dino much. No, they got him and all the appliances hated him because he's like, what's the difference between them? What's the difference between Dino and them as appliances? Because Dino's a pet, so he gets he gets better treatment. So they immediately ostracize him. And in this issue, they actually uh, tie him up and lock him up to keep from revealing their plan. He's kind of like Jar Jar. <laughs> he's a little bit like Jar Jar. <laughs> I'd actually forgotten Dino was in the, you know, existed yeah. until he walked in. He's like, hey, guys. And I was like, oh, Dino, right. <laughs> and they were like, not this guy. So I... You know, this was again really excellent. I, even the as as the foreman of or the owner of of the bed of Bedrock, George, yep. uh, you know, finds out that maybe his his new alpha male lifestyle isn't going to work for him. I thought that was a great story too. I thought I just thought yeah. this was another. Great it's story. great. I mean, the thing is, it's it's such a level of quality. And you're right, it was great, but I mean, the drugs kind of impressed me a little more. And also, like, how many times have we picked it now? It's like, oh, it's so many, uh, <laughs> which is not—it's well deserved. But I just, you know, I wanted to go in a different direction. Um, right. But I nearly went in the direction of all-time comics crime destroyer number one. Uh, and is this on your radar at all, Connor? No, no, I have no okay, idea. Okay, well, is. so I'm going to say two words for you, and and uh-huh. I'm going to say two words to you, and you you react uh, okay. appropriately. Yeah. Uh, three words. Ready? Yep. Pencils. Herb Trimp. Well, you know, I uh, it's exciting. That's an exciting. It's a, that's an words. exciting name. This is actually Herb Trimp's last work. Oh wow! Uh, which is uh, which is you know sad, but uh, he so for those who don't know, Herb Trimp was one of the great uh, comic book artists, uh, and he actually he drew Wolverine's first appearance. Right? I mean, isn't that what yeah. he's most well known for? Um, you know, he he was in the 1970s. He drew the Incredible Hulk. He drew the first uh, appearance of Wolverine. Um, he did some. I mean, his his work is just you know so much stuff at Marvel, Captain America, Iron Man, Marvel Team Up, Kazar, uh, Kazar, whatever it might be, Captain Britain. You know, and and yeah. then but Connor probably you know him best uh, from GI Joe. Right. Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so unfortunately, he passed away in in 2015. But before then, he worked on this with uh, writer Josh Bayer, and this ends up being uh, penciled by Ben uh, Benjamin Mara. Who, if mm-hmm. you're if you're in on the Fanographics, uh, Copra, that whole kind of th- that that world of comics, Ben Mara is a name that you recognize. And this is just uh, total complete late 1970s, early 1980s, Marvel-style superhero book. 
Interesting. Um, and, and it's funny because this is a whole corner of comics that we don't really touch upon because I don't really feel like it's in our wheelhouse. Um, yeah. But like Michael Fife with Capra, uh, the work of Benjamin Mara, Tom Scioli's in this grouping. Like mm-hmm. th- there's a whole bunch of cartoonists now who were born and raised on 70s, 80s, 90s comics, much like we were, but really want to celebrate it and do their own take on it. And uh, this is another, you know, this is in the same, like if you like Capra, you're probably going to like this book. <laughs> Um, it's a little out there. It's it's way dated. It looks it looks old, um, but uh, it, it it was you know it's it's characters that you've never heard of. The main character is Crime Destroyer, right? And mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of other heroes and villains. And it's it's a long, long, uh, a long, long story. I mean, it goes it goes on for nearly thirty pages. Um, so you get you definitely a dense amount of content. Um, but it's you know very much in that you know Tom Scioli kind of category of of comics, uh, but with Herb Trimp. So. So are they short? Are they short stories or no? It's just one long story. It's one one long story about crime destroyer fighting these bad guys and and this whole like and honestly I didn't follow it all. It's all it's it's <laughs> way out there. The one of the problems with some of these stories is sometimes they get way more wordy than I think they should be. But um, yeah, and you have an editor, um, and you get and then considering that this is like out of nowhere and this is just the first issue and doing all this stuff, you get a whole bunch of characters thrown at you. But the art is just uh you know see Ben Mara Inc Herb Trimp uh is just is, is was. Delightful. So, uh, yeah. So, it's from Fanographics. Nightwing number sixteen. If you recall, last week or two weeks ago, whenever this book came out last. Wait, uh, is, I'm sorry. Is Nightwing being published daily at this point? Yes, seventeen <laughs> just dropped in my lap. Actually. <laughs> um, so last we heard, Dick Grayson was having uh, falling in love, falling in love, and uh, we saw the as last week or two weeks ago, he told all his friends, he's dating this woman and he told Barbara and I, I was all annoyed. And then at the end of the issue, she was taken or kidnapped or killed or something. We find out this issue, she wasn't killed. She was taken. Um, and then doubly, she may be pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. Now, a couple of things occurred to me in this issue. One, um, there used to be sacred cows in and at least in DC, they they didn't do deal with. Now they kind of do. One of the things they 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 never really dealt with was Nightwing never really talked about being Robin all that much. Right. Um, he just moved on, really. Right. Yeah, he was he was Batman's partner, and they was you know he was Batman's first partner. But they didn't, never really had him reminiscing or constantly talking about it. Or being, this is it seems like now it's like it's a major character thing that he's constantly you know talking about himself being a, a Robin or the first Robin. He's reading Robin Hood like it's a. It's a major shift because one of the things as a kid I always wanted to talk about was being Robin and he never did. So was, I was always annoyed and that's why I, <laughs> I, I imprinted on my brain was that he never really mentioned it. But now he's always talking about it. I thought that's an interesting change. Also, DC has apparently decided everyone gets a kid. <laughs> Listen, it's a new generation. They've got to usher him in somehow. Batman but- gets a kid. Superman gets a kid. Maybe Nat- Dick Grayson gets a kid. It it seems like a real bad idea to, and, I, and, and we're assuming she's – Going to have a kid is pregnant and is going to have a kid, which I don't, which I don't think will happen. But if it does, it seems like a bad idea to constantly give these supposedly ageless characters children because that. Well, I think I think in their defense, I think you're putting the cart in front of the horse. Is that we don't know for sure that she's pregnant, you know, like or we or we don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's very the beginning of this story, so who knows what will happen? Um, But honestly, I got to say, I'm shocked at your comments about this issue because I thought you'd be complaining about something else. Well, I haven't gotten to that. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Okay, warming up to it, but it just. I really hope. I hope this is a red herring. I hope they don't decide to give Dick Grayson a child. Again, nothing against real-life children This is or parents, but this is ageless superhero comics, and they shouldn't be aged like this. Right. And uh, Especially not Dick Grayson. Um, just a bad idea. 
it's also kind of, you know, it's a way to raise the stakes of her kidnapping. I get it, but it also feels kind of like a cliche. But anyway, uh, in this issue, Damien teams up with with Nightwing. And I, you know, I didn't. It's very heavy on the. This is also this is related to the Robin thing in that you know Grant Morrison had his legendary run on Batman. Most people have kind of stayed away from it just simply because why even try to reference it? But uh, here it's directly referenced a lot. There's a, there's a variant cover that, that re- echoes that Batman and Robin cover, that famous one. Um, and in this issue, Damien steals the flying Batmobile that they had when they were Batman and Robin together and they go off on an adventure. Now, I don't know how that fits in the continuity here. Uh, Batman's had a very busy life in the five years he's been Batman, including apparently <laughs> dying and Nightwing also being Batman. But anyway... Uh, as we all know, none of it makes sense. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just like, really, there's no, it doesn't matter anymore at DC. Like it used to matter. Like they were really, really strict about things mattering and like this, this didn't happen or this did happen or whatever. And now it's like, yeah, it's like the, almost like the Marvel way. Like, ah, fuck it. It all happened. Enjoy <laughs> yeah. it. Hyper time. So yeah. hyper time. Oh God. Do you remember hyper time? I do remember hyper time. Yes. Oh, uh, I, I still like this issue. I think Tim Seeley is really good for the character. I, I'm falling in love with Javier Fernandez's art. Yeah, really uh, pretty good. hard. Um, as much as I hate Damien, you know, at least in the context of him and Dick Grayson, it's it's a little bit not as bad. But uh, there's a lot of things happening here that could be happening that I don't like. Right. I'm just going to say it that way. I know it's a little fair. convoluted. I got you. Um, That's fair. Superman 18. It's too bad Josh is wherever he is, wherever his body is right now. I, I, um, I hope they recover him. I will tell you this, Connor. I nearly read this issue. Which would have been crazy. So this is part one of Superman Reborn. Josh has been anxious for a- answers in Superman world, and this is the first part of that crossover between Superman and Action Comics. So wait, so and, Super, Superman's crossing over with himself? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a family crossover, you know, when they have, okay. you know, like they did the Batman one a couple so, months ago. Yeah, so, so, fair enough, fair enough. So to, so to clarify this, the, the reason why I almost read it, because I thought the cover was delightful. The cover was fantastic. The cover is great. Uh, yeah. So in this issue... Uh, well, first of all, so interesting cameo by D- Tim Drake, which I wasn't expecting. Yep. Um, Isn't he dead? He is thought, thought to be dead. In fact, he's been abducted by a shadowy figure in a cloak, which we all assume has something to do with Watchmen, but we don't know. Right. Um, so oh, this, yeah, because when, when I think about the key between the DC Universe and the Watchmen, it's Tim Drake. Apparently so. So <laughs> this person has uh, Doomsday in a cage and Tim Drake, and uh, is that Atomic Skull? Maybe it is. Uh and so that person is um, overlooking everything, and it's apparently somebody escaped from his prison, and Tim Drake's taunting him about it, and the, the, the prison cell's covered in uh, scraped graffiti about Superman will save me, Superman will save me. So maybe that's who Clark Kent is. That's a good indication that that's who that might be. Uh, but anyway, crazy Clark Kent shows up at the at the uh, secret Kent farm, which he's not supposed to know about, and of course causing problems. Crypto freaks out. Uh, Jonathan goes out. Uh, Jonathan Kent goes out to confront him. Superman gets angry, and he leaves a scrapbook full of photos that he should never have, including a bunch of stuff from the old continuity <laughs> and old family photos and things. So, and then uh, everything turns into white lightning, and Jonathan Kent disappears. So, okay, it's um, and all the photos disappear too, which is weird. So things are afoot. Mysteries are happening. I will admit, flipping through this, uh, Patrick Gleason's art's got a very, and I go back to, I mentioned it earlier, but a very uh, Tim Sale-esque aesthetic to it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's different than his, he's definitely modified his style, but I like it a lot. Yeah, I like it too, actually. I'll be happy, I, I really like this issue, I'll be happy if at the end of this we have some real sense of 
of uh, Superman's world because I think that's still not um, settled yet. It's a big question. It's a big question that's on a lot of people's minds. Also, I was <laughs> I was out the other night and got a text message saying, I'm reading Trinity. What do you, what's going on? Superman died, and who's this Superman? And I just went, oh, God. Oh, Jesus. The funny thing is, is that it's... <laughs> I said, just wait till I get home. I can't do this over text message. <laughs> I was going to try to make a joke about who texted you that, but I, it didn't quite work. Uh, <laughs> it was just very... I was like, uh, yeah. I can't imagine trying to explain that. Uh, that's the thing. is like the, the, the random person on the street who walks in is like, oh, I want to pick up a Superman book. Is this yeah. accessible, or, uh, accessible or not? And that's... Uh, I mean, it, when you actually explain it, it's not that complicated, but it's like you just sound real dumb. <laughs> which is which is not even your fault because you're not right. dumb. You're smart. I didn't write it. I'm just re- recounting what happened. You're and smart. then there was confluence, and the dude came. Uh, the old Superman came in, and he escaped in the new one. And, and you're just like, I, I'm out. I don't know. I, I, don't know. I'm, I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> I, I regret even starting this line of questioning. <laughs> so. All right. Well, what we don't regret is all of you wonderful people out there who listen to the show and who support us every month. Uh, We thank you for your support. If you are not one of the folks who are supporting us, what are you waiting for? Come on. We know we know a lot a lot uh, we know a lot more of you download this podcast than actually uh, chip in and so we're we're talking to you you folks who are already patrons already donating you guys you guys are great you guys just take 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 a breather lean back. Put your feet up. Yeah. The the tens of thousands of you who are not, listen up. Go to (laughs) ifanboy.com slash support. There, it's very easy to click on a banner to go shop at Amazon. Do all of your shopping on Amazon after you click that banner. You don't even pay a cent to us. Amazon pays us. So you buy your stuff at Amazon, and then Amazon kicks a couple of dollars our way down from those fat cats up in Seattle. It's fat and, cats in Seattle. And, God, I wish we could figure out what that's from. And, <laughs> um, uh, and that helps us uh, every little bit. All of you who use the Amazon link, we can't thank you enough. That's amazing. You're the best. Um, if you want to directly support us and just do it once, if you just want to be an anonymous do- – well, not really, it's not really anonymous, but if you just want to be a, a one-time donation, you can click on the PayPal link there where you can send us money directly – um, if for some reason one of you out there is an eccentric millionaire and or billionaire and are looking for some amusing way to get rid of a lot of cash, you found your place. It's very, it'd be very funny. It'd be great. I mean, honestly, it would, it would, it would really put our mo- put our, put the money where our mouths are. Uh, it would really, because <laughs> we've been talking about this for years. We figure sooner or later, one of you is going to crop up. So, we got iFan Moms, so we figure you're yeah, next. Yeah, exactly. I love the iFan Moms, by the way. Um, and finally, uh, if you want to help support iFanboy uh, on a regular basis, you go to patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can sign up and become an iFanboy patron. There are over 400 of you now, right? That's how many we're at? We're over 400? Uh, over 400, yes. Yeah, we're almost is... towards live streaming this nonsense every week. That's oh, the Jesus. Next goal. That's a yeah. that's a that's a disturbing goal, because uh, that will just <laughs> cause mayhem with our lives. But <laughs> yes, it will. The, hey, listen, you give us money, we'll turn our lives upside down for you. Uh, so we thank everybody who signed up for page, for uh, on Patreon. Later in the show, we're going to be giving out some superpowers to patrons. So if you sign up, you can get that. Um, also, if you sign up at five dollars or higher, there's a bunch of cool rewards and things like that you get in the mail. Um, and we want to thank the people who have supported us, and we're going to thank you directly later in the show. Um, we've got T-shirts coming thanks to the patrons. Uh, working on that this weekend actually and so uh yeah great things it's all because of everyone at patreon.com slash ifanboy so listen several thousand of you are not doing this come on step up it's time what are you waiting for what are you waiting for all right thank you for your support 
Moving on, uh, Green Lanterns number 18. Green Lanterns has been uh, has emerged as one of my favorite books that comes out daily from DC Comics. Right. Because um, it just seems like as it's like, oh, I'm either reading Nightwing or The Flash or Green Lanterns every week now. It's do you remember crazy. when like Action Comics was a weekly book? It was, it was called Action Comics Weekly, actually. Yeah, I do. I remember that. And it, I feel and like honestly, that's just going that way. It didn't, it didn't feel like Action Comics came out weekly at that point either. No. Um, but, you know, because, so Green Lanterns number 18 uh, and Sam Humphrey's dipping into, uh, going deep into the Green uh, Green Lantern mythos with giving us the origin of Valthum, uh, which And if you're a longtime Green Lantern reader, you should recognize that name and you know and remember how much we loved when jeff johns started introducing the other color rings and give us more you know sense of mythology around the the lanterns and then that got really kind of stale and tired and and overdone i feel like sam humphreys is tapping into what made that good again with some new ideas and some new concepts Uh, well it's it's not just you know the ring colors fighting each other. He's mining different ideas involved with it, yeah, and so exactly. it feels a little fresh. Yeah, so really well done. Really enjoying it. Really enjoyed this issue. So Green Lanterns continues to be a must read every week. Um, did you check out America Number One by any chance? I did not. Okay, well, so America Number One is uh, the I, I feel like long away. I, I keep referring to her as a new character, but she's not that new. But the long awaited no. series for Miss America Chavez uh, from the pages of Young Avengers from Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey's Young Avengers, which was like four or five years ago at this point now, right? Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Young Avengers more than that. Yeah. Well, no. No. Uh, Gillen McKelvey was it was oh. it was about five years ago. In Young oh, that. That. Yeah. 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 Um, but so America number one is finally the uh, the the solo series uh, dedicated to Miss America Chavez. It's written by Gabby Rivera with art by Joe Quinones coming off of uh, his run on Howard the Duck um, with inks by Joe Rivera and Paolo Rivera, the father and son team, which is pretty good. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, th- I mean, this is again, you know, Marvel is. Uh, splintered into several different areas. And, you know, another book that came out this week, The Unstoppable Wasp, America, the, these books are in the corner of the new, young, diverse Marvel, you know? Yes, um, right. And so this is just an, this is another book for that kind of uh, grouping. Um, and it, it's great. I mean, Joe Canona is, is fantastic. I think he yes, is... Yes, we all love him. Yeah, he is, he is underrated. He deserves a lot more attention for the great work that he does, I think. Um, but this is, you know, just general first issue, you know, establishing who she is, what her ties are to the Ultimates and to the Young Avengers. And now she's branching off on her own. She wants to go to college. Her girlfriend doesn't want to go with her. You know, so it's just, you know, kind of, uh, you know, predictable Marvel uh, angst, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> fueled with these new characters. And she runs into uh, Prodigy, who was a former member of the uh, Young X-Men or the New X-Men, I think. Um, and he's a student at the school that she enrolled in. So there's another superpowered student there. And, uh, yeah, and then it ends with her uh, dimension uh, hopping because her power is she can punch a star and jump mm-hmm. into different dimensions. And turns out she can also time travel because she punches into World War II Germany where she runs into Captain America and it ends with her punching Hitler in the face, which we all know everyone in comics loves when that happens. <laughs> um, so yeah. wait, did she steal that moment from Cap? Yeah, that's basically what happens here. So Well, that's no good. That yeah. seems like... <laughs> I know. It might have that some, seems a little on the nose. That, ha- that, that might have some ramifications. But uh, yeah, but it's nice to see. She's a great, great character that's kind of been, uh, you know, stuck in teams. And so it's nice to see her kind of getting her moment to shine. Right. You may recall months ago, I mentioned how I was reading Death of Hawkman and I didn't know why. Right. This week, Death of Hawkman number six, the final issue, he died. Oh, did he finally? 
All right, good. All right. Well, it's I mean, funny. I, I mean, you can't be that upset because it is called Death of Hawkman, and so you know it was I, coming. I'm not upset. I'm more upset with me for the time wasted reading it. Jeez. Um, it's just I just wanted to report he did, in fact, die. In fact, not only did he die fighting Despero, but at the end, Despero crunched his bones. Wow. That's quite oh. yeah, final. You think that's kind of final, but then it ends with not the end. Not th- nowhere near. <laughs> What's so? This is this is is this the last issue or no? It's the last issue of this miniseries, yes. But how is it not the end? I don't know. Bones <laughs> being crushed feels very final. <laughs> also, not mentioned in the title of the book, I guess for good reason, is that everybody thinks Adam Strange is also dead. Is he? Is he though? Or seems to not be. He seems to be stuck in some sort of vortex. But anyway, it's odd that. They keep putting out these Adam Strange Hawkman miniseries that Mark Andreco writes with Aaron Lepresti on art. And they keep it's like it's like the second one. I don't know why they do it. They can't sell that much. Yeah. These characters never interact with anybody else. So what's they the just, what's the point then? I don't know the point. <laughs> I don't know the point. Oh, other than man. Hawkman is now dead. Yeah. But not the end, nowhere near it. Well, all right then. Uh, it's also not the end. Uh, we're gonna go to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a lonely trip to Star Wars corner uh, for Star Wars number twenty nine. And you might remember I was celebrating what seemed like the end of this Yoda story as last issue ended with Luke finishing or reading the Yoda, uh, the tale of Yoda going up the hill, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. No, no. Yoda Yoda, he, no, he ran down, down the hill. It's a Yoda who ran up the hill and came down a mountain, right? Exactly. Right. Um, no, no, no. It, it, it ended. Uh, last issue ended with Luke reading the tale of Yoda from Obi Wan's journal, and it was Luke saying, "Aha! I know how to. I know how to save R two and three PO," and flew off. His X wing flew off in space. I was like, "Great, we're gonna get on with it." Until this issue, where the cover features Yoda with his lightsaber lit in the hand of a big monster, and as I keep reading it, it opens up, and this Yoda story just never ends. It just literally never ends. I find it fascinating that you don't like Yoda. I really don't like a Yoda story. This is what I'm finding out about it. Like, it's not like I don't like Yoda. I like Yoda in, like, the amount of Yoda we got in the original trilogy was just the right amount. So Yoda to you is similar to the elephant vacuum cleaner. Yes, yes. Less is more. Used sparingly, like yes. a spice, like a like a potent spice. Right, and also the problem with Yoda, at least in this issue, is so the cover features. So basically, the long story short is this mountain, the hill that Yoda. Uh, he would have came down a mountain. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's not actually a mountain, and it's actually a living being thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you would assume, based on the cover, the living be- living thing, living mountain, is holding Yoda, and he's got his lightsaber. He never ignites the lightsaber once in this issue, which it's is a, a, de- it's a metaphor, which right. is a decision I agree with. I don't. I think Yoda is best without a lightsaber. But right. all he really does is tell people to think and, and not fight and is being his very kind of, you know, wise passive Yoda. There's not a lot of fighting in here, just a lot of talking. And uh, and then sure enough, it, it ends with Luke landing on this same planet and finding the, 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 uh, the, the big mountain kind of collapsed. And then he runs into what I can only assume is one of the people that Yoda ran into at the beginning of the story. And it's just like, I just want the story arc to end. It's like amazing how... how it, Jason Aaron's one of my favorite writers. He's amazing. Uh, but this is just this story arc has just completely taken the wind out of my sails from the previous story arc that had me so excited. So yeah, so Star Wars number 29, I just I just want the story arc to end. It can't come it can't end soon enough. Uh, so yeah, there it is. Uh, so that said, we're going to move on to the patron pick. We're going to talk about the comic that you, the iFanboy patrons, all 400 of you. Although even then, you know, earlier I talked about the thousands of you that aren't patrons. 
Yeah. Right. There are hundreds of you that are patrons who are not voting for this pick every week. We get about fifteen percent. Yeah. Uh, participation yeah. In, in the in the. Vote, I would say which is yeah. not bad considering, but. Right. No, but I mean, we could have a lot more participation here. The patron pick could be a lot more interesting if everyone would vote. So uh, also, you could sway that vote. I mean, you could this week. This week, the pick won by a very handy margin, but the last couple of weeks, it's been a matter of one or two votes. And yep. it, you know, if you're out there and you're a patron, you haven't voted, you can make your voice heard. You, you can, can directly, you can directly impact the run of this show. You can make yep. us read something or not. And this week, the patrons made us read Royal City Number One from Image Comics, uh, which is the new ongoing, written and drawn by Jeff Lemire. Yes. Uh, and this definitely fall. I mean, like, it's funny because we, we've, we've jokingly complained about the patrons picking books. Like, we, we encourage you to pick books that we wouldn't normally read. Like, we, after all these years, you have a sense of what we like, what we don't like. Um, and I, would, I was planning on reading this anyway. I don't know if you were or not, Connor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Jeff I mean, Lemire, we're huge course. Jeff Lemire fans. But the way I read into the patron pick this week is that you also are big Jeff Lemire fans. And I think that's, yeah. a, that's worth applauding. So that, that's yeah, one by like, Factor of three over the second place yeah. book. Anyway, um, this is a double-sized issue. I picked it up and I was like, oh, this is hefty. And it uh, it, it was big. I don't know how many pages it was. I don't know if we're so de- deeply enmeshed in Twin Peaks right now, but it felt very Twin Peaks-y. Yep. And it's not because there's a murder or there's a cop or anything. It just it's a, it's a small town. There's some weird stuff going on. And I found myself... And again, it could have been because I just listened to an episode of Damn Fine Podcast right before the, reading this issue. There's a plug for you, Ron. <laughs> Thanks. Um, if I felt like if there was a Twin Peaks comic, Jeff Lemire could draw it. Absolutely. 100%. I totally agree with that. And that's actually a great idea, and I kind of wish somebody would do that. <laughs> actually, no, I um, don't. I don't know. I don't, uh, maybe not. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. Not everything needs to be a comic. All right? Let's no, just say. If, all right, if all right, there I'm, was one, if someone had to draw one, I would say he would do it. But, I, but, I, uh, say, I say that while I'm looking at you, IDW. Not everything <laughs> needs to be a comic book. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting. What did you think about this issue? Um, I, I mean, well, first off, I love I love Lemire. Lemire is great. He's one of my favorite, art, you know, creators. Um, you know, we, you know, part, you know, mainly because we were so onto him so early, right? We were one of, you know, with the Essex County trilogy and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's, um, so it's great to see him doing something that he's writing and drawing. Um, it's hard not to compare this to previous works. Mm-hmm. Right, and I actually found myself enjoying this much more after I read his personal essay in the back. Right, I read um, that too. After reading it, I was like, "Oh, okay, so this is where here we go," you know. And and part of it was because I I don't know if I love the subtle changes he's made to his art style in terms mm-hmm. of like I feel like in order to do a monthly comic, he's drawing a little faster. Yeah, it's coming across, and I and I don't know if I love the coloring approach, you know, like kind of watercolory kind of you know kind of coloring right. that's going on. Um, but it really took the one paragraph that he wrote about where, you know, he's like, he, where he says he wanted to return to territory of Essex County, but he did Essex County when he was 29 and now he's 40 and he's not the same person he is. And, you know, now Royal city is what he is, is reflects who he is now. And after I read that whole thing, I was like, okay, cool. I, I like it much more. And I don't know why it took that, but it did. So it's hard to describe this issue. So it opens with an old man, and he uh, he has a fight with his wife, and then he fixes. His, he's got a garage full of old radios he tinkers with, and in tinkering with one of them, he hears uh, the son of his his son's voice come out of it. And he has a stroke, mm-hmm. and so then this brings his whole family together as we we meet his writer son from the city coming back to the small town uh, to uh, to go visit his dad, and we meet all of his other siblings who are living in the town. The, the 
I got really confused about who was and who wasn't a sibling. Yep. Also, and I know this is the point, I was like, did they name all of their goddamn kids Tommy? <laughs> well, no. I mean, but... <laughs> no, I, I, get, I realize that's the point, but yeah. you don't find that out till the last page. Yeah. But at a certain point, I was like, who are all of these Tommies? A lot of Tommies. A lot of Tommies. Uh, <laughs> which is good. I was having a, I was having a real a visceral re- reaction to the story because uh, uh, Tommy, and spoilers, uh, Tommy is the son. He hears on the radio, Tommy died many years ago. Tommy also appears throughout this issue in various forms. In various ages. In various ages and various yep. uh, um, personalities and various jobs. Yep. yep. So it, that was confusing, but at the end of it, you get uh, sort of a sense of why that was happening. And I don't want to spoil that exactly, yeah. but... It's definitely uh, it's definitely Lynchian in terms of its you know kind of oddness and weirdness and imagery and reflection. I mean, I'm thinking about the the double page spread of him standing in front of the city made of radios. Yes. Right. You know, like that, which is which is a great spread and a great page. Um, you know, it, it, and I dig it. I like it. I, I, I like it more since I read it. Um, yes, I, I liked it as I was reading. it. I mean, I, I was getting a little frustrated only because I was I think it's supposed to be getting frustrated. Yeah. But uh, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, I I read Sweet Tooth and Trades and I really enjoyed reading that and you know right. we all love Essex County and and uh, the Underwater Welder I, I I like his personal independent stuff more than I like his superhero stuff and uh, so I'm excited for this issue and this is I mean he describes this, this is an ongoing series this is going yeah going for a while as long as we'll you know hey, he's got a story to tell he's the, he's the kind of creator that as long as he's, he's as long as he's doing so i mean and, and descender has been great and and the stuff he's done at marvel has been mostly good you know ignore the inhumans x-men stuff but i'm enjoying <laughs> moon knight which also came out this week um you know so but you know the what may what what makes me sing about jeff lemire is when he's writing and drawing his own stuff you know like yes. you know when we get into that you know underwater welder sweet tooth you know like a, a trillium like all the great series that yeah. we've got from him over the years it's great to see him doing this now for himself and and i also liked at the end of it because you know radio and 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 audio has such a big part of it at the end of it, it includes a link to a spotify playlist of songs which is a nice little addition uh so yeah so i don't know good job on jeff so um, yeah so that said it's time for ratings. ratings ratings i give it a four i give it a four as well and sticking with it uh yes yes i will too all right, good job. So uh, though that was the patron pick this week, uh, a solid pick, patrons. Good job. Yes. We all, we, so, uh, it's a comic we can all enjoy. So We get behind it. Yes. So as I mentioned earlier, if you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can become a, a patron, and we will, uh, for anybody who, who signs up for $5 or higher per month, we bestow a superpower on you. Uh, it's our little way of thanking you and, in, and empowering you to take on the world around you. Uh, so, Connor, you are first up. So Carl Phyllis, thanks for being a patron. Carl's power is that he, and I, I hope we haven't done this one already. <laughs> it's getting uh, it's getting really hard, by the way, because we've done we a have lot to, of these. Yeah, we have to really update that list. Uh, yeah, we really do because I I, I I I live in fear that I'm going to do a power that someone's already done. Well, if we if we do, then you've got a power buddy. Yeah, That's there, all there it is. Yeah. Uh, Carl's power is that he always knows when an avocado is at its ripest. Yeah. Always. He can by looking it. at her, by touching it. He just knows. Okay. He just, has, he just knows. Like when he'll be sitting in the couch going, oh, it's ripe, and gets up and runs. Because, you know, as soon as it's one more second, it's, you're done. The run right. that is over. Right. So he, he can be in the store and he knows, well, that one's ripe. Okay. Um, it's, you know, not very useful unless you really love avocados. Right, right. In which case, very useful. I've thrown out so many avocados. Right. 
<laughs> those things are not cheap, especially right. not anymore. All right. Um, all right, cool. So avocado power stuff for Carl. There you go. Uh, I want to thank Nick P for being a patron for my fanboy. Nick P has the power to sew buttons onto clothes as if they came off the factory line. Wow. Yeah. So he's just I mean, a really good tailor. It, well, really good tailor. But here's the thing. It's, it's all telekinetic. It's just, oh. like, you know, like it's not with his hands. He just looks at the button and looks at the shirt. And with his mind, he can sew that button back on. Does it actually like get sewed like the the the, uh, the thread? Oh yeah, here? through the needle. Yeah, the needle goes up in the air, but it only works on buttons and and textiles. Oh, others. Oh, so buttons to textiles. Yeah, you can. Only, yeah, so he can't he can't sew a button on your face. He can't. He can't sew like a rip in your pants. Right. Exactly. Well, uh, no. Yeah. No. He can't. No. He can't sew a rip only in your buttons. pants. Unfortunately, so only buttons. He's limited to buttons and textiles. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, and does he have to be in sight of the pants and the buttons, or does he? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, they've got. Yeah, he can't. He can't sew a button on a shirt in China. I mean, he's got to be in the same room as the shirt. And the now, button. does he actually <laughs> think? Just does he think sew button, or does he actually go through the motions of the sewing? No, no, he thinks sew button. His hands don't happens. do anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. okay. So, yeah. All right, Ethan Harrison. You know how people are often saying that the eye is the window to the soul. Yes. Ethan's eyes are the windows to his thoughts. Oh, really? And his thoughts appear on his eyes in emoji form. <laughs> it's like Scooby-Doo. Yes, kind of like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so Ethan's got a real hard time hiding what he's, you know, the emotions he's feeling. Right, okay. And it's only when they're strong. You know, it's not like he's like constantly has emojis on his eyes, but when he's feeling yeah. a really strong emotion, yeah. like fear or anger or lust or confusion. Right, so he's, he doesn't have a good poker face. No, if you're yeah. if you're playing poker with him, he's got he's got to be like those guys, the douchebags who wear the sunglasses when oh, they're right. playing. Yeah, oh, those are, those are the worst douchebags. Yeah, but he 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 can't hide it. It appears in his eyes in emoji form. All right, and classic emoji form. None of this newfangled emoji nonsense. All right then, uh, classic emoji, not not Unicode eight. We're gonna go yeah. back to Unicode five. All right, uh, and our last patron that we want to thank is Sean Kreider. Um, and Sean, I want to be very clear about this power. It's a very specific power, but there's a declaration underneath it, after it, Uh afterwards. Sean can walk on water. All right. Okay. Sean is not Jesus Christ. (laughs) I just want to make that clear. Yes, he can walk on water, but that's the limitations of his powers. Oh, interesting. So So, so any kind of water? Any kind of water. He can, he can, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here in Queens looking at Manhattan. He could walk directly across the Manhattan. Right so, now. like, if he was walking across the ocean. Yeah. Um, I mean, he'll get tired. Were those, one of those yeah. giant, like, uh, uh, perfect storm waves? Can he walk up the wave? Well, it, the wave can knock him on his ass. I mean, it's not like sure, he, but can he, he like, yeah. run up the wave to get over it? Um, yeah, if he can, if he can get enough kinetic energy to run over the wave, the wave strong. Like he's not more powerful than the, than than Old Man River. He can just no, walk I'm not, on I'm water. Not he's not going to get knocked over. I'm saying, yeah, yeah. he's like a boat. If he could get over that wave, he yeah. can get over that wave. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But again, I cannot underscore the That's importance enough. of this more. He is not <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's not the Messiah. He is not the Messiah. I know. I know. Sometimes he might feel like it, and maybe, maybe he I does. Maybe he puts a little grift on where he's trying to convince some people that he is, right. but there's no there's no loaves into fish, fishes into loaves or bread, you know, whatever all that other water water into wine, none of that. Just walking on water. That's it. So like yeah. if it was the twenties and the dust bowl, he'd be he would go to some small town and walk on water and convince everyone he was Jesus and get hey, If pain. he choose if he chooses to go in that direction. I mean if he if he wants to live high on the hog in in rural America and find <laughs> and find a bunch of rubes who believe then, yeah. so then go for it. It's that's up to you, Sean. But for me, right. I would just walk. I'd walk to Manhattan right now. 
Okay. <laughs> Make your life easier. Listen, I would save a lot of money on subway tokens. That's all I'm saying. Tokens. Go to what, Patreon. What, subway tokens. What year is it? <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. If you want your own superpower yeah. and you want to get in on these patron pick every week. Yeah. I think everyone does that. We do. All right. It's time for some questions. We got a little time on our hands, so we're going to answer a bunch of your questions because we'd love to hear from you. Our first question comes from Wes from Fridley, Minnesota. And says, Wes says, this is a landmine topic, but I was curious if you had thoughts. And Wes, we always have thoughts. Um, Looking on social media, there seems to be a number of comic readers who think that Marvel and DC have been playing to social justice warriors, whether you like that term or not, uh, by pushing diversity onto comics and onto readers, by having racially diverse characters, new SJW-friendly writers with no comics experience, etc. According to these people, the quality of comics has gone down because of this. I don't know what to make of all this. Is this just old readers not liking change? Please note many of the people are, are uh, I assume, complaining. Many of these people are late 30s to 40s. Is this tapping into some racial conflict that's happening? Most of the complainers are white. Any thoughts? And he says, I know this is a tough one, but I wouldn't blame you for not touching it with a 10-foot pole. And, uh, and we talked about whether we wanted to talk about this or not. And I don't want to shy away from a topic, Connor. Do you? Sure. No, yeah. no. Absolutely. Um, Unless it's about costumes. <laughs> Listen, on a scale of Electro's <laughs> 1 to Racial Diversity's 10. No, um, I, I think Wes is bringing out something that is very uh, upsetting about the world of comic fandom right now is that there are these divisions out there and these, you know, and which, are, which I think are a byproduct of kind of what's going on in our world around us, in you know, a greater world around us. Right. Um, generally, my position is I disagree with the people who are, who are criticizing Marvel and DC for pushing socially aware content on the comics and that is ruining comics i i generally disagree with them um i think that diversity and representation is important and like earlier in this episode we talked about america she's a hispanic gay character that's great you know like you know having these representation in comics is important what i do dislike is when it's done not in service of the story or character and done just to to get an agenda across or get a point of view across, you know, right. like, you know, and I think it's upsetting because there, there's some, unfortunately some creators out there who have put a stake in the ground saying, I'm not doing anything unless I can write these kind of characters. Right. And they're then taking characters who have a history and pushing them into a role in order to achieve that kind of thing that I do. I do take issue with. I don't take issue with the the spirit of that because they're fighting for representation and want to do that. But I think it should be done in service of a good story and good characters. When it when that happens, you get great comics. That's that's what that's what it boils down to. Well, I, I, comics has never shied away from this kind of thing. Yeah, um, never. Exactly. That's another point. Marvel like has, that. you know, Marvel differentiated itself from DC by doing socially aware books, even if they weren't overt. I mean, the X-Men were a giant metaphor. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, you look back at Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and that, that whole hard travel and heroes run was, was one big, it would, it would these days be labeled one big social justice warrior storyline. They yeah. went around the country and they, they fought racial injustice and economic injustice and, that's what they did. They didn't really fight villains. They fought developers and evil businessmen. And those, the, you those, know that's those kind of fat thing. cats. The fat cats up in <laughs> North Dakota, wherever they were. Um, I I think you have. A, I think there's a there's a, as with, as with anything. There's many things happening here. Yeah. Some for some of it, it is uh, you know racial conflict bubbling to the surface. But for some people, uh, like me, I like characters like. Uh, like America Chavez, I love Miss Marvel. 
Yeah. I don't like it when they supplant the characters I've been following for 30 years. Right. That's what, that's what I mean. Taking an existing character. I mean, and it's tough, too, because you want to have – we all know how hard it is to introduce new characters and introduce new ideas. But we do have signs of success with that. You know, America Chavez is a great, a great example. That is a character that was created in the last 10 years that has taken off and has found an audience. That's perfect. That's great. And the stories about her are, are, are quality because they're be done in service of the character and service of the story as opposed to being in service of an agenda, which that's where it gets dicey. And I don't want to be misunderstood. I support the agenda. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I think the world is better with more voices and more representation yep. and more, you know, like every there's there there are people of different race and creed and religion and sexuality and all that sort of stuff and I want to see that in all the comics, but you know, but sometimes the, you know, sometimes it can be done, you know, that can that the desire to do that can overshadow doing a quality story. And I think really, Marvel went yeah. overboard by basically supplanting every major character with a new version of it. Yeah. Um and I mean, there's nothing to do with with, with with social representation or anything. That's just that's just general. They just they just decided to, you know. And we're going to find out what's happening with this generations thing they announced. But you know, but you know, they just wanted a new version of nearly every character because they got. I guess they've they're feeling the pressure to change with the times. You know, and it's unfortunate. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that the characters I love were created in a time where only straight white men were heroes. Yeah. But but that is the reality, and they're the, those are the characters I love, and it's it's unfortunate, but that's yeah. the way it is. So I want to read, what? you know, the stories about those characters because those are the ones I've been reading since since I was five years old, and that's why I'm reading comics is to follow their adventures. So when they're when they're gone, when you know Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and Clint Barton and Bruce Banner are all gone, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not so happy. But there's yeah. nothing I, I'd rather I'd rather those characters taking over got new identities and were given a chance to build their own things. I'm not. Not just um, stapled on to old characters, which right, I feel yeah. is cheap I mean, way like, to, for diversity. I mean, the legacy of your old characters are representative of the of the people who were making comics at those times, and then you have a sentimental bond with them. Yeah. Um, you know, but the you know as comics has evolved with the times, as every other medium has media has in in our you know kind of society, it's evolving with the times, and you're getting more you know writers and artists of different backgrounds and different you know uh, different points of view. And I want to read comics that have those kind of represented. I think that's great. I think those I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, it's just unfortunate to see some people who don't want to move there or are overly protective or you know that sort of thing i mean like i don't there's a chicken and egg thing though is 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 there an audience for it right or and if there isn't is that because there isn't the content for them right i mean the only way to really know is to know what the sales are we don't know what the sales are all we get are estimates that are usually very wrong so we don't know maybe it's maybe it is working maybe it isn't working i guess we'll find out what marvel does going forward i mean at the end of the day for me the, the 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 overarching motivation should be is to make I mean we've talked about this before and we laughed about the simplicity but yeah make good comics just make good comics you know and if you can if you can make a comics with a character who is who is who's gay who is who's Hispanic who is Indian who is Muslim who is white who is a woman who is a man whatever just make a comics tell good stories so right all right Kevin from Fairfax Virginia I had a question about storylines that you didn't like that keep coming back up example for me is Flashpoint by the end of it, I didn't like it, and whatever, we just moved on. But when they made that animated movie, fine. Then they kind of did a bit of it in Batman vs Superman with the Flash visiting the Batcave, which makes me think they will do more in the Flash movie. Then it was part of the Flash TV show. Sometimes it just seems they adapt stories that aren't that good, but because they are from the comics, they get a pass. It also applies to stories you didn't like and just ignore, but then turn out to have huge impact later on. Stories you uh, have a huge impact later on on stories, and it just keeps coming up. 
I schedule 45 minutes each day to uninterrupted thinking about this time. So how many hours do you foresee thinking about this? I will think about this for two seconds. Well, because well, yeah, I, I think we've got a simple answer there. There's one, one common theme in what Kevin wrote about. Jeff Johns. Well, I think the common theme is he's he's talking about one story he didn't like. Doesn't well, he no, but he's talking about one story that he didn't like that he keeps these popping up in all the different DC media, and it happens to be the story that was architected and driven by the guy who's in charge of all DC media. <laughs> There's a reason why they keep doing Jeff John stories. <laughs> yeah, but also that was a. I, I mean, he's a he's a, he's assuming everyone hated Flashpoint. I didn't think that's right. true at all. I, 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 I love yeah, Flashpoint. I, I liked Flashpoint. I thought it was all right. They're using Flashpoint because it was an, it's an interesting thing to do where you can have one character's actions change everything. Right. Um, I also don't think Batman vs. Superman was a nod to Flashpoint. I think it was a nod to Crisis and Infinite Earths. Agreed. Anyway. Agreed. Um, yeah, there's stories that we didn't like to keep coming back up. Also, also, just to get to his last point, um, stories you didn't like and ignore, but they turn out to be a huge, huge impact. That is... That's just how these comics work because they're That's all... Life, yeah. They're spider webs. Um, well, here, here's, the, here's the great thing is that... You don't have to. You don't have to watch them. Yeah. Like if you didn't like Flashpoint, don't watch the movie. Don't watch the animated movie. Who cares? Right. You know, I, honestly, the Flashpoint of the Flash TV show compared to the Flashpoint of the comics, the only thing in common was the term Flashpoint. And that he went. That he saved his mom, and his saving, by saving his mom, it changed everything. Well, yeah, but but all the stuff of the Flashpoint comics wasn't present in the TV show. You know, he didn't no, get a different. You know, the general like, premise of of yeah. one action, one selfish action, fucking everything up was what they used. They didn't yeah. have Batman in there. There wasn't a right. Superman. Like that's right. just, you know, that's what that is. Um, uh, I can't think of anything that's like. I mean, I, usually it's like events, but those events go away so quickly that it doesn't, it's not really a problem. I mean, the thing is, is that when you're looking at these companies like Marvel and DC, all the comic stories that we have read over the years, good and bad, are they are imagine a diamond mine, mm-hmm. right? And and the the folks making the, the the animated movies and the video games and the TV shows and the movies are going into the comics mine, and they are just mining for whatever they can to pull out to turn into other stuff. Um, so you're going to get stuff that you love. You're going to get stuff that you hate, you know, like looking at like, for example, you know, this, this past weekend, Logan opened up in movie theaters. Right. And, and, and the only thing that has in common with the comic old man Logan is that it's an older Wolverine on a road trip. Right. There's no, no, nothing else for old man Logan is in that movie. Well, maybe some other things, but, but you know, of of that, you know, X 23 is also in that movie and, and the, and you know, the, she's got two claws like X-23 in the comics, but it kind of stops there. You know, like it just it, – it, they're, they're, they're going to take what they find interesting and spin it to whatever works for whatever medium that they're developing for. And you're going to get the good, you're going to get the bad. There are going to be some things you like, some things you don't like. What are you, what are, right. what are you going to do? You know, let's, what are you going to do? It says that dog's going one way, the other dog's going the other <laughs> way, and I'm there in the middle going, what do you want from me? So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right. So thank you, Kevin, for that email. Uh, our last email uh, comes in. I'm just going to start reading it, Connor. So you all right. Do it. Go ahead. Yep. Go for it. Listening to one of your latest podcasts on a road trip with my 10 year old. I want to pause here and apologize. Uh-oh. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. So, sorry. Uh, we, we do do the spoiler warning. We don't, but we, we don't recommend that. Yeah. We don't recommend it. But anyway, cool. I like the idea that you're on a road trip with your 10 year old listening to us. So the email continues. After hearing you doling out superpowers, he told me he wished that his superpower was to fall asleep and then wake up at whatever times he wanted. So if he wanted to fall asleep for 10 minutes exactly or fall asleep exactly at 9.30 p.m. and wake up exactly at 7 a.m., which I'm going to step aside from the email, that is a wonderful power. 
by the way. He's better than, better at this than we are. He might be better at it than we are. So uh, yes. kudos to you. Um, the email continues on. He asked me what my superpower would be, and I told him that his mother thinks my superpower is getting knots out of necklaces. Anyhow, just thought I'd share. Keep doing what you do as long as you can do it. Sincerely, necla- necklace knot untire man and sleep boy. And I just wanted to highlight this because I love the fact that, that uh, you know, father and son and driving on a road trip, thinking of dumb superpowers like us, that really, made, awesome. my day. That really made my day. And I got to tell you, that sleeping power, that's one I wish I had. Because <laughs> the, thing, also, is, the, cause the yeah. thing is that if, you're, if you can control when you're going to sleep and when you wake up and you're getting quality REM sleep in that period, that's yeah. really good. That's really strong. Seriously, a quick cat nap. If you know you weren't going to waste all that time trying to fall asleep, just boom, you're out. Right. Good stuff. Good, good stuff indeed. So good, good job on the, uh, good job on the powers there. I love it. I love it. So, so uh, Ron, before we move on to the next segment, I wanted to give you a chance to rebut last week's show. Oh yes, I did mention that. So I got a lot of. Uh, we have a little extra time. I got a lot of feedback from last week's show where we were talking about whether or not Magneto was de-aged or not, and I don't remember how dismissive of that question I was uh, during last week, but apparently I didn't satisfy many of you out there. And you got well actually a lot. I got well actually a lot, and I'm pretty sure there are some glasses pushed up on noses as they're saying <laughs> that. And 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 yeah, I believe at some point, I gotta go back and listen to the tape, but I believe I said the, the 40 years of stories here, of course he got de-aged at some point, but if I didn't say that, that's what I should have meant to say. Whether or not the de-aging actually still matters in continuity or canon, I cannot tell you, but yes, I remember when he got de-aged, Eric the Red did it in, in the late 60s, early 70s. He got de-aged again sometime in the 80s, but then he got he gets restored. Like he's gotten de-aged and restored so many times that I just kind of dismiss it. So now is he actually being de-aged or he's is he like code for going to the spa? Well, uh, or is he going like a considering, like cons- a- considering he was in Auschwitz? Let's not call, let's not talk about code for going to the spa. <laughs> like, right, what about code for going to like a plastic surgeon? He just says, "Oh, I got de-aged again." Everyone's like, "He got filler." <laughs> <I know. laughs> There's like everybody everybody knows that whenever he gets de-aged, it, uh, it, he's just getting botox basically. <laughs> but um, but there are many many can't smile. <laughs> there are many many um uh Reddit threads and message board posts that that uh that examine this um at one point i, I believe he was wasn't de-aged but his mind was transferred to a new body that happened in the 70s it happens to me all the time yeah so like the thing is it's happened so many times that it's not like you can go back and be like oh like when wolverine had his adamantium pulled out of his body that happened once right, right? Wolf, uh, magneto has been de-aged and re-aged so many times uh it's it, you can't even keep track of it you know so uh so that's why I just wanted to move on from it because yes, yeah, so for the mo- <laughs> for the most part of our time reading Magneto, he's been in a cloned body that the Shi'ar clones. So think about that. So Ugh. actually, no, actually that was uh, that was Xavier. I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah, Xavier got put into a clone body that could walk. Yes, yeah, see, it's it's very very confusing. So. If there's anyone who can keep track of all the X-Men continuity, I want to meet that person. Well, yeah, and here's the thing. is like I gave up on keeping track of X-Men continuity a long time ago, folks. A long, long time ago. So It's too hard. It's just too hard. It's not worth it. Just enjoy the stories. So, Contact.ifanboy.com right. is if you want to get in the show and or correct Ron when he says Magneto's never been DH'd. Oh, well, actually. <laughs> so let's talk about some upcoming shows. We just had our legendary six weeks of podcast. We have more shows coming out. But it, at the tail end of that uh, legendary six weeks was Josh put out a talk explode with creator Judd Winnick, one of our favorite writers, one of our favorite guys in general. 
Uh, they talked about his career. They talked about so much. He's got so much to talk about. They might do another one because there was so much left out of it. But if you want to hear Josh talk about uh, writing superhero comics, writing kids' books, a little bit of the real world, uh, let's talk to Judd Winnick. You find that show behind this one on the feed. Yeah, great interview. Good job, Josh. Good job, Judd. Always good to hear from Judd Winnick. Yes. Um, but the Parade of Podcast doesn't end there. Uh, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, Logan opened up in movie theaters this past weekend, and uh, we are we are discussing it uh, in podcast format, and that will be out after this show, right? At this point, yeah, probably, yeah, probably, yeah, cause, yeah. So, uh, so you can look for that uh, in a, a couple of days after you listen to the show if you got it on Sunday or Monday. Um, but uh, no matter what, we are talking about it. So. Yes. And coming in the rest of March, is this March? Are we in March? We're we in are March. in March. I cannot believe it. So Coming up in March, we have a Booksplode podcast, which we've already decided on the book, and we're all very excited to talk about it. Uh, so that's courtesy of the patrons. Um, we have a patron hangout that will be happening at the end of the month in which we're going to decide once and for all who are the goddamn American treasures among us. Goddamn American treasures. We know it will be Tom Hanks, but who will be joining Tom Hanks in the ranks of goddamn American treasures? We'll find out on the, on the patron hangout. And in March... Iron Fist comes out to Netflix, the final solo series from that Marvel, big Marvel deal. Uh, it comes out middle of March, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. You know, it may be about a, it may be a while until we talk about it. <laughs> well, we're going to do our best. I mean, with all of them, it's always a challenge, you know. Like, it's, you know, we, we uh, averaged, I did, I did the math once because people got very angry at us it took so long for luke cage and there was some implications that it was it was a racial thing and so i did the math on it they all averaged out to about a month and change till after between the show comes out and we talk about it which is fair considering it's like 13 hours of television and guess what we have lives and yeah i don't it's, it's, a, it's a lot I, we, you know one of them one year jessica jones came out like on thanksgiving so yeah, like that, they, they're talking that happened. To- they're tying them to these holiday weekends, which is which which I think is good and bad because uh, yeah, I remember when Jessica Jones came on Thanksgiving and you're like, oh, that's great, I have nothing but time. That weekend, I had no time to watch anything. Right. So the only one that happened quick was the first Daredevil because we were so excited for it. But you know, we moved. It, it's gonna take. It's gonna be. It's probably gonna be May to hear about that yeah. one. I'm just gonna assume. Yeah. Uh, so that'll, that'll be coming around. Look for that around May. And in the meantime, head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts. All the talk explodes and book explodes that the patrons enabled. All of our old shows are found there. You can like us on Facebook.com slash iFanboy and follow us at iFanboy on Twitter. That's where you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And you can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan at RonXO and at CSKL Patrick on both Twitter and Instagram. Yes, and if you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and write a review or anywhere else that reviews podcasts. Put in a good word for iFanboy. We appreciate everybody who's done that uh, so far. Uh, we've heard from more iFan moms uh, over Twitter. Yes. I want to thank everybody. I just love the fact that that hashtag, hashtag exists. I want to thank Sabrina, who posted, finally catching up on iFanboy podcasts. Fellas making laundry and dishes suck less today. Hashtag iFanMom. So uh, if you are an iFanMom, uh, be let's heard. Call it, let's call it another one. Morgan, who who reached out to us on Instagram. All right. Who uh, wrote a long post I'm not going to read, but she really went over and above. Yep. Uh, just, just, like, just like moms do every day. So. Yeah, so thanks to the iFanMoms. If you're an iFanMom and you still want to talk, you know, you know Hasht- we keep reaching out. We, hashtag iFanMom. Hashtag iFanMom. So, uh, excellent. Well, we appreciate everybody who enjoys the show and keeps spreading Ron, love. you're Morgan's spirit animal, which I don't know. That, uh, that, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. Sorry, I'm flattered by that. Thank you, Morgan. So. <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap it up for this week's show. I'm going to go back out and look for Josh. Until next week, I'm Ron. Well, before I say goodbye, I just want to commend oh. you, Ron, for getting through this difficult time and doing the show. It's been tough. And, 
And not only for because Josh is missing, but also because we now live in a world where Suicide Squad is an Academy Award winning film. I, I've, I've really, really been ignoring that uh, as I've been reviewing all the movies that have never won an Academy Award versus the one that did. It just really it's a bitter pill to swallow. But uh, I'm, I'm powering through, powering through. Well, you, you, you're an inspiration to everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Connor. I'm, I'm Connor. You may-